Hi there and welcome to another episode of Roy's Rocket Radio. The time is 13 minutes past two in the afternoon and I'm recording this on Sunday the 22nd of March 2015. This is episode 74. So we'll start off with a bit of news and first of all the show schedule. Now I've been trying to, I've been aiming for at least a weekly podcast for some quite some time now. I did try to narrow it down to a day. I think I said a while back that it's going to be Sunday, then I said it was going to be Monday, then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, so you can see where this is going. I basically can't narrow it down to a day of the week. All that I can say is that it's going to to be, and it is, and has been for quite a while, at least a weekly show. So you should at least get one show a week. Sometimes you'll get more. In fact, I think the last show was just under a week ago. So there you go. Next, new website design. If you've visited my website, roymatur.com, that's R-O-Y-M-A-T-H-U-R, you'll notice some design changes. Now, I'm always chopping and changing with my website design, but the last design I had for quite a while now. In my mind, it was kind of a 90s look, uh, and it succeeded uh, the previous sad 1980s look. Now, uh, it looks like a website designed maybe in the mid-90s. So I'm almost reaching contemporary uh, design look, but not quite yet. I just don't have the time, really, and I'm not a web designer. But I've done my best. I think it looks simpler and cleaner. And there's certainly a lot less code behind it. Uh, I pointlessly had the same header and footer on every single page which meant uh, using SSI's server-side includes but really simple ones uh, that you get with an Apache web server. Uh, The problem with that is there's a site overhead and the other problem is if you move host uh, which I might be doing next year you can run into uh, problems uh, you might have to reconfigure your the your Apache config files, and I didn't want to deal with that. I, I just wanted a website that's simple, that works, uh, that can easily be moved to another location. So I've done that. Uh, if you if you think it's not that great, or or you've got any suggestions, please let me know. Always willing to learn. So that's it for the new website design. Now writing. I've done the covers at last, I tweeted the covers. I think the first cover for Cobar, uh, The Black Tower of Derek Seymour is okay. I think the other cover uh, for sea, for my sea glass story is just average really. Uh, the, the only thing good though is that they are unique and they're not going to be similar to the other bog standard designs that you can use on Amazon. Now the proofreading is also done for sea glass and I've got to tell you it took a long time. Um, my, my story should have been published, well at least submitted to 
Amazon Kindle singles uh, scheme uh, at least a week to two weeks ago. I think two weeks ago, actually. But it turns out that the proofreading takes a lot longer than actually writing something. And I'm saying proofreading rather than editing, because I edited this a couple of times, but it really did merit a close uh, proofread. Uh, at least I needed to look at it with great scrutiny. And I have done. I did this yesterday and I thought, wow, I've picked out almost an error on every single line. And then, out of impulse, I thought, you know, maybe I was tired towards the end of last night. So I'll proofread it again with a really slow reading. And guess what? Now, not only do I have an error on every other line, I think I've got an error on every single line. So that just goes to show uh, a lot of the work in writing something is proofreading. So what next? Well, Cobar needs to be proofread, well, edited, and then proofread next. Um, and I'm also continuing with the novel. Like I said, I've got to chapter 5, but I'm a bit behind. I should be at chapter 10 by today. Uh, but that's due to the proofreading uh, fiasco. And it's really due to my... It's my own fault because of the appalling number of errors. In fact, I've got the 22-page sea glass on a sealess shore story in front of me now and it is literally literally festooned with errors now on the subject of editing I talked I think a, a while back there was that Harry Potter uh, sorry Harry Potter Daniel Radcliffe film about Allen Ginsberg and there was also a James Franco film uh, about Ginsberg and I've commented on both of them uh, particularly that line about kill your darlings. Uh, now, I originally thought it was, like, probably like everyone else, thought that it was attributed to Faulkner or Ginsburg, but apparently not. I decided to check this on impulse after uh, editing my, oh, sorry, proofreading Sea Glass. I thought, you know, I've done a lot of killing my darlings uh, on this story. So, on impulse, I decided to look up the quote, and apparently it's by someone originally... The source of the quote is originally from someone called Arthur Quiller Crouch, who was also known as Q. Uh, so, now we know... And he was a prof prolific writer and literary critic, and now we know where the Q character from Wonder Boys comes from. So this guy, apparently, I think he, he lectured at Cambridge, and he incorporated the quote into his lecture. Uh, in fact, it, it isn't kill your darlings, it's murder your darlings. Now, for a while I've not really, I've, at least I've not known exactly what it meant. But I can tell you, after after the ferocious bout of editing, I know I now know exactly what it means. It means get rid of your fancy bits of prose if they don't do anything for the story. And do this before you submit. Now, I know that sounds a bit harsh, and I, I would have kind of laughed at this a while back. 
But at least when you're beginning writing, I think, and especially in my case, is I am apt to go for a flowery turn of speech. And sometimes it's completely tangential and not really useful in the story. So I do understand what that means and it makes sense. And I'm trying to adhere to that uh, concept. And now I've filled this podcast up with big, long, pretentious-sounding words, so I'll stop now. So next, we are back with the Doctor Who Marathon. Yep, at long last, we're back. Now, in the last episode that we, where we covered Doctor Who, I think we talked about The Power of the Daleks, which is the first uh, Patrick Troughton adventure. Now, we're continuing with the second one, and it's called The Highlanders. Uh, it was a four-parter tra- uh, broadcast on from the 17th of December 1966 to the 7th of January 1967. So, sorry, I just need a drink. Mm. There you are, you've got the sound of me gurgling down the microphone. <laughs> That's not good. Now, oh, before we uh, carry on, so anyway, four-parter, 17th of December 1966 to 7th of January 1967. But yeah, I'm no longer doing that uh, bit where I talk about each writer or the, the specific writer or producer and cast, as you can get this information for Wik- from Wik- either Wikipedia or the TARDIS Data Core. Just Google TARDIS Data Core. It's a big Doctor Who wiki. If something or someone from the production catches my eye, I'll just mention it in the podcast. So that way we won't have too many interruptions. And in fact, we're having that kind of interruption right now. So I'll get back to Doctor Who and the Highlanders. So... This is the second adventure after the first regeneration. Um, And unfortunately, we're back to being taught history by teacher. So this is another one of those costume dramas thinly disguised as science fiction. I think it is a bit odd that they've done this. I, I can understand that there's a strong educational component to Doctor Who, at least there was during the earlier, um, the early series. Uh, It was something that uh, Sidney Newman wanted. But the reason I find it odd is because it's such a good costume drama, it could stand alone by itself without Doctor Who at all. Um, But anyway, I did learn a bit by watching the whole thing, though it does go on a bit. Basically, the Doctor gets involved in the post-Battle of Culloden events. Uh, This was a battle between uh, British loyalists and Scottish rebels in 1746. So the Scottish rebels wanted to um, reseat or um, Bonnie Prince Charlie to, to the throne of Scotland and, and perhaps England too. 
And so that's what the battle was about. And it's just your typical boy's own adventure scenario. And honestly, I found it a bit boring. I mean, the good thing about it is that it does offer the opportunity to introduce a new companion in the shape of Jamie McCrimmon, who is Fraser Hines in real life, a.k.a. Joe Sugden from Emmerdale. And although this is a bit before my time, I'm guessing that he's going to be the companion for quite a while, a companion for quite a while. I do seem to remember that in a couple of the reruns uh, that Jamie was always cropping up with Patrick Troughton's Doctor. So all in all, not bad, considering the the rather blunt history lesson that it's it's throwing at us. Uh, And it was nice to see Jamie uh, for the first time. Also, the the Doctor, through the first half of the episode, also seems to be trying to work out who he is still, even after the first episode, The Power of the Daleks. Uh, But now he seems to have settled into the stride of being uh, the new Doctor. So we'll have to see where it goes from here. So that's it for our Return to the Doctor Who marathon. Hopefully there'll be many more like that. Oh, the, the last thing I should mention, should you want to watch this episode, is it is almost completely a reconstructed episode. So mainly you're looking at studio stills with some extra subtitles describing the action scrolling beneath. Although you do have the full soundtrack. There was also a bit of live action uh, but I'm not sure whether that was put in afterwards from from some other piece of uh, film, uh, some other um, property or, or where that came from. But anyway, so that's it for Doctor Who, The Highlanders, 1966. Now, movies. So I've seen quite a few although the few that I've seen have been spread over quite a number of weeks. I mean, I watched, I finally watched Wallace and Gromit, Curse of the Were-Rabbit, uh, a 2005 film. I watched that uh, a good number of weeks ago now. Um, and I watched this after the last Ardman film that I watched, which was Pirates in Adventure with Scientists from 2012. So you can see that I'm really catching up with things um, with going back to 2005. What I need with all this reminiscing is one of those harp sound effect things that they do to show that you're going back in time, like they, like Amy does on, on the Big Bang Theory. But anyway, the the film, so uh, it is okay, um, uh, and by Ardman standards, that means it's pretty good. But I, I I must admit, I like Pirates a lot better, and I also like the earlier Wallace and Gromit movies. Still, 
not bad entertainment. Next, Mystery Road, 2013. I've just seen this on the TV, I think, uh, just a few days ago. This is a an Australian contemporary western set in a hick outback town. There's the wide, flat desert, the brush landscapes. The hero wears a cowboy hat and boots, and there's even tumbleweed. So, in essence, the plot concerns the discovery of a murdered Aboriginal teenage girl. The rest of the movie follows the protagonist, um, who is a horribly redneck police department's only Aboriginal, and also the, the only detective in that area, or for that police uh, department. So you can bet that things are pretty much against him. It's a pretty good movie, and Aaron Pedersen plays Detective Jay Swan with an admirable and kind of typical laconicness that you see in westerns. It's uh, all in all, it's a, a slow burn, but there is an action-packed ending. Also, in the movie, there's a gunfight done in a way that I really haven't seen before. So, if nothing else, it's worth watching for that, for the action. Next, John Wick 2014. Keanu Reeves is a retired hitman for the Russian mob. not sure how that works out with a name like John Wick and the, particularly the fact that he seems to have Russian gulag tattoos on his back. I'm guessing that there's a whole chunk of backstory that they <laughs> they just didn't have time t- to use in the final cut. Anyway, so retired hitman uh, living quietly on his own. Uh, And one day he crosses uh, a local mobster's son who ends up killing John Wick's puppy, which is a present from his recently deceased wife. So you can guess that this is going to be a revenge flick and that's what happens. John Wick basically goes on the warpath. There is some good action and it's... Not at all cliched fight scenes. Uh, equilibrium style gunfights. But also there was there was some quite novel hand-to-hand slash close quarters combat, which I thought was Aikido, but apparently was Jiu-Jitsu and the usual mix of other Hollywood foo. Interesting because films tend to concentrate on martial arts with predominantly striking moves uh, because they generally look cooler. Um, Particularly films like The Matrix that not not only go for the striking moves but they go for the long-form martial arts which look way flashier on screen and (laughs) it's it's part of the reason that I like Tai Chi uh, because although slow-moving 
if you do the moves properly, they look brilliant on screen. Which reminds me, find a Tai Chi school. The unrealistic elements of the storyline made me think that this film was based on a comic book, but apparently not. So I was quite surprised when I did a bit of digging. There's also a bit of extra explanation that you don't get in other movies, like where the hell are the cops while all this is going on, or where exactly do the bodies go? It It's the sort of thing that could come off as clumsy, but I actually found it really tongue-in-cheek, which I think was, was the point. All in all, entertaining video night fair, forgettable but fun, noirish action flick. Uh, pretty good. So, next I want to play you the latest trailer of Mad Max Fury Road 2015. So, hang on to your hats for a moment. My world is fire and blood. Oh, that wasn't very good, was it? My world is fire and blood. Everybody's gone out of their mind. Out here, everything hurts. Now pick up what you can and run. your name? My name's Max. So cool. Tom Hardy, Charlie's Theron. Apparently the fourth film, so I'm guessing set after Thunderdome, but I'm not quite sure. And it's out on the 15th of May 2015. I gotta say, I really like the trailers. Uh, epic classical music cars, explosions, insane action. I'm all over this one. Of course, there are too many trailers, but luckily they don't seem to give too much away. Although, now that I've looked at that trailer for the, about the tenth time, I think I may have the entire story in my head already. But I'm trying to, I, I'm trying to will myself into amnesia. So it doesn't spoil spoil it for me when I go and see this at the cinema. Okay, books and comics. Now, I've been reading a lot when I haven't been writing, but there's really been no time to talk about them this week. Uh, that's something that will be in next week's show.
technology. Ah, oh, right, and on the subject of the trailer that you just heard, free podcast and broadcast playout systems. So a playout system is like a turbocharged media player. It's something that a radio presenter or DJ will use to uh, kind of stack up their playlist and they can stop, pause, insert things, things like that. Now, instead of playing, paying, sorry, I've actually written playing. Too much use of the word play, I suppose. Uh, so instead of paying zillions of pounds like a chump for something like Myriad, which is uh, industry standard playout system, I'm using VLC to play YouTube trailers. Now the mistake I made, and I really should have known better, uh, if you noticed at the beginning of that trailer, there was <laughs> like it, it cut out, it just stopped playing. That's because I was streaming the audio live from YouTube to VLC, which is something that VLC can do, which makes it flexible. On the other hand, uh, you are subject to network glitches, so if you're podcasting, my suggestion is that you download the audio from the YouTube trailer that you want to include in your podcast, rather than play it live. There are other pieces of software out there. You can use uh, something like Radio DJ, which is also free, but honestly VLC is easier for simple playlists uh, from multiple sources and formats, so that's what I'm using at the moment. Maybe I'll graduate to Radio DJ sometime when there's a need to. So that's it for the show. Thank you very much for listening. So this was episode 74, recorded on Sunday the 27th of March 2015, and the time at the end of the show is 14.39. I can't wait to for next week's show, so see you then, and bye for now. Bye!